Well, I want to thank the worship team. I think they are getting us warmed up for eternity when we get to sing praises uh, forever and ever to our Lord God. So thank you for doing that. Um, we have now celebrated the 20th. Anybody do anything special yesterday? See the fireworks? See any of the special ceremonies? Uh, yes, I saw you down there at the promenade uh, ready to watch the fireworks. We need to uh, recognize the Canadians. They just celebrated their 150th. And uh, do, do any other countries have a holiday here at the beginning of July? I mean, America does, but the first or second? Okay, we have uh, Independence Day for America on Tuesday. Uh, so, welcome. And uh, I want to give you a challenge here. If you call this your church home, you've been here three or four times or more, uh, that's, this is your church home. What I would like you to do is be sure to welcome the people that are here. I know there are some people here for uh, the first time, uh, maybe the second time, just, just towards the beginning. We have some that haven't been here for about a year, and uh, we welcome them back. And, uh, but I would just give you this challenge. We're very good and quick at removing all the chairs, and we thank you for that at the end of the service. All the chairs get efficiently stacked. But let me invite you to say hi and shake hands with at least three people before you pick your chair up, okay? We, we can take care of the chairs, but only you can welcome people, and we encourage you to do that. And uh, I'm not going to point her out or make her stand, but I am delighted to see Rowena with us this morning. She is usually here for the Saturday service, and eight days ago, she was baptized, and so uh, most of you got a yeah. Most of you got to see the other baptisms on Sunday morning, but uh, the baptistry was set up for Saturday, and we're delighted to have Rowena with you. I guess the holidays changed the days off and all those kinds of things. So we're we're uh, delighted with what God's go- doing here. Um, Pastor Mike is away for a few weeks. And uh, if I've seen from Facebook that he's made it to America. He's enjoying time with his sister and his family. Um, and so do pray for Pastor Mike and his family as uh, they are taking some home leave time in America. Starting next week, Kelvin Gardner and his wife Jill will be with us for the next three Sundays. Kelvin uh, is a retired pastor and he will be um, giving the message in the next few weeks. So uh, for this morning, I'm here, and I'm delighted to be here and to share this time with you. First of all, I um, want to point out, um, I get an invitation card sent sometimes, usually they're email now, but do any of you ever receive an invitation card to something? This happens to be the invitation card for the graduation ceremony of APSW, the, the school that we're meeting in. And uh, I'll get a go to their uh, graduation service. But uh, do you like getting invitation cards? I mean, you want to open it up and find out what's going on. There's usually some kind of food. Uh, there's some people to meet. Uh, invitation cards are good things. We, we have them to celebrate things like a, a birthday or an anniversary. And we want to have these invitations because we want to reconnect with the people. 
we get to meet some people during uh, an invitation. And I want to, um, before I, I get into God's Word here, I want to let you know that we have received an invitation from God. And I hope you're as excited about it as when you get one of these cards in the mail or email or WhatsApp or however you get it. And that invitation card is right here. And I would invite you to get your Bible out, whether it's on your phone, on paper, or in memory, however it is, um, get that out, because we're basically going to be looking at one passage of Scripture. At the very end, I'm going to go someplace else. But I want you to look at John chapter 10 and have that open in front of you um, uh, throughout, throughout the message. But what this is, is this is God's invitation to get to know Him. That's why He wrote it. That's why He gave it to us, so that we can know and understand Him. And there's all kinds of stories of people who encounter God, or things that God says, or things that uh, His Son Jesus said, um, the prophet said, and all those are to help us to get to know God. And you know, I like the fact that we get this invitation to know God. Because God does not want us to worship what is unknown. He wants us to worship what is known. And we can know Him. You know, a lot of times in in cultures past, people would worship what they didn't know. How does thunder and lightning happen? Let's make a God for thunder and lightning. How do the crops grow? Let's make a God to worship the crops. And people would worship what they did not know rather than what they knew. And what I appreciate about God is that He invites us to know Him. And that knowledge of Him, as it increases, it burns within my heart to love God. And because of that love, I want to obey God. Do you see how it works the other way if you worship what is unknown? We don't know how the crop cycle works or how the sun comes up from the horizon each day. And so that becomes something that we worship because we don't know it. So we try to do things to manipulate that so that it will work in our favor. And when we take the same approach of worshiping what we don't know and trying to convince or manipulate the forces of whatever's unknown into my favor, and we take that and apply it to our relationship with God, we have a relationship where we are trying to get God to conform to me. God wants us to know Him so that we conform to Him and not the other way around. And so I appreciate that God sent this invitation. This invitation to us so that we can know God. And that, that's, that's kind of the, the thing that I want to point out to you. There are three things that, that are key to this message. One is that we know God. And we're ready for that slide. Um, We're to know God. There are three things that God wants us to do because we have this invitation. First of all, if you're following along on your notes, it's know God, 
The knowledge of God leads to a love for God, and that love for God leads to an obedience or a following after God. And uh, so uh, those are the three things that we want to have, and we want to apply those three statements of knowing God, loving God, and following God to this passage of Scripture. And I would invite you, anytime you read Scripture, to ask those kinds of questions. How does this portion of Scripture or this invitation that I receive from God help me to know God more? Is there something that I have learned about God because of what I have read? Is there something new? Is there something... Because you see, some people will tell me that they don't like the God that we have, you know. And I ask, do you know the God? Sometimes their, their understanding is misconstrued. And so the only way we can get to know God is from the invitation He gives us. So ask those questions. Do you know, do you learn something new about God? Did you know something else that you didn't know before about God because of this passage of Scripture? The second thing that I would encourage you to do is see how this Scripture draws your heart to love God more. There needs to be something that moves from the head to the heart where we love the God that we find out about in Scripture. And then the third part of that is how do I obey and put into practice and follow God because of the things that I have just read. And so I want to turn to a passage of Scripture, John chapter 10, and look at that. Uh, There, the questions are up there. Um, I want to look at John chapter 10 at this story of Jesus the Good Shepherd. Jesus the Shepherd. And see what we can learn from this. I want to read uh, the first six verses to start with, and we'll go on from there. First of all, Jesus says, I tell you the truth, the man who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate, but climbs in by some other way, is a thief and a robber. The man who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The watchman opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name, leads them out. And when he has brought them out, all his own, he goes ahead of them, and his sheep follow him, because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him, because they do not recognize the stranger's voice. Jesus used this figure of speech, but they didn't understand what he was telling them. Now, I wonder how many of you have experience with sheep. Have any of you cared? Do New Zealanders have sheep? Anybody from New Zealand? Have you really have some experience with sheep? Good. Anyone else? My wife does. She helped raise two when they were very little. Anyone else back there? Benson does. Good. Okay. That leaves out most of us. I found three people that have experience with sheep. So I want to tell you a little bit about sheep. And sheep as they were cared for and as they were raised here during Bible times. 
probably a little bit different than the way they do it in New Zealand. But um, the Bible uses a lot of agricultural examples. Why? Because the majority of the population did something with either raising animals or raising crops for food. It's turned the other way around. Most of us know nothing about getting food other than going to the grocery store or the wet market or someplace. And so the, the proportions are, are just the opposite now. But sh- raising sheep was a common occupation. Sheep were used for their wool. Uh, they were used uh, for food. And um, oftentimes it would be the younger children, uh, younger boys that would take care of the sheep. But what they would do with these sheep is, is they would keep them in a sheepfold, a safe place, uh, something like that something with high stone walls around it that the predators to the sheep could not get into, and they would bring the sheep into a place like that at night. And being good, efficient shepherds, they would keep several flocks sometimes in one sheepfold. And then only one shepherd had to sleep in the doorway, one person a night or one person for the shift, and they could take care of the many sheep that are in that place. And what would happen in the morning is the different shepherds of the different flocks would come. See, the sheep all look the same when they're in there. At least they'd all look the same to me because I couldn't really tell the difference. I mean, there's big ones and there's little ones and there might be black ones and there might be white ones. But I don't really know the sheep because I'm not the shepherd. But the shepherd would come to the gate and start calling his sheep out probably calling them by name because the shepherd would spend a lot of time with the sheep. He would go out where they could be fed in the pastures and the sheep would be with him. And so the shepherd enters the sheepfold, starts calling the sheep out, and the sheep come one at a time as they're called and only that shepherd's sheep. Second shepherd may be behind and does the same thing, calls out his sheep. Because the sheep know the voice of the shepherd. And they follow. And the shepherd would lead these sheep. We find out here that the shepherd would go before them. In America, we have cattle. We don't have a lot of sheep. But in America, the, the, the cattle would be driven, oftentimes from behind, and, and sent on to where they needed to go. But the shepherd would go before and make sure that it was a safe place for the sheep to be. And sheep are kind of dumb. What they tell me is that if the sheep stayed in one place, they would be happily eating on the grass until they ate all the grass. Everything. Roots and all. And there's no grass left for them. And so this shepherd would have to be constantly mindful of what's going on for these sheep. How can he care for the sheep that are his? And take them on ahead to the next place. Even if the sheep wanted to stay here, the shepherd knew that they had to move someplace else. And so this sheep business was carefully uh, taken care of by the shepherd. And the shepherd who owned the sheep loved those sheep and cared for them. And the sheep followed because they knew who he was. Now keep that in mind. Jesus is giving this statement, this parable, 
to people who are familiar with sheep, at least a lot more familiar than we are. And I find a couple things rather curious about this. One is, by the time we get done with the part that I just read, we find out that people didn't understand what he was talking about. So what's he saying? What's going on here? The other thing that I find rather interesting is he starts off with a rather negative tone. He starts off not telling about sheep or not telling about shepherds or not telling what he is, but he's saying what he is not. Because it's the thief and the robber that comes in over the fence. It might be a person who wants to do ill towards the sheep. Or it might be a wolf that wants to get the sheep. They come over the fence, not through the gate. Why does Jesus start this parable in that way? I wonder. It seems to me that Jesus is saying what he is not. In a little bit, we'll find out what he is, some characteristics that we can learn about him. And from this passage, I see that Jesus is not the thief and the robber. What does the thief and the robber come to do? Kill and destroy. And we find that a few verses down, we find that. Jesus is not the one who comes to kill and destroy. And I wonder, because Jesus is talking, it seems to be the Pharisees, the religious leaders of the time that don't understand what he's saying. Is Jesus telling them that they have something wrong? Perhaps they're the ones coming over the wall? not through the gate? Are they so concerned with following the rules that they care nothing about the heart of the individual? They are so careful about following the rules that they don't have someone building a relationship with God. Because that's what it takes to be the shepherd in this passage. I have appreciated um, Ravi Zacharias' ministry. He's been here to Hong Kong many times. I know that a number of you have been to his conference. Matter of fact, uh, within a month of coming to Hong Kong, I was able to go to one of his conferences. And I've listened to a number of his uh, talks um, on YouTube. And I find that a question that Ravi Zacharias often gets is, aren't all religions substantially the same and only superficially different? The Pharisees might be saying, aren't we all shepherds? Shouldn't you think of us all as being the shepherds of these sheep? But you're calling us the thief and the robber who comes in over the wall. Don't all paths lead to God? Don't all paths go the same place? Aren't we all religions substantially the same? And superficially different? Ravi Zacharias turns those two words around. And he says that all religions are superficially similar. And substantially different. And I think that comes because of knowing the shepherd. All shepherds look the same. Unless you know the shepherds. To me, all sheep look the same unless I know the sheep. 
And I think what Jesus is doing here is calling us to know Him in such a way that we know His unique characteristics and who He is. The sheep knew the shepherd's voice. The sheep knew the Master. And they followed Him because of what they knew about Him and how He cared for Him. And so I think these people are having trouble understanding because of that. And so in the next few verses, I think Jesus gives the positive example. We find out what he's not. He's not the thief. He's not the robber. He's not the wolf. But apparently there are those people. And so Jesus talks again in verse 7, if you're still there. Uh, Verse 7, Jesus said again, I tell you the truth, I am the gate. He's not the thief and the robber, but he is the gate. I am the gate for the sheep. All who ever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. He who comes in and goes out and finds pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Isn't that exciting? Sometimes we get beaten down. I mean, uh, Doug was talking to us about this. But Jesus wants us to have life and have life to the full. And Jesus is the gate, the entry point for that relationship with God. Jesus is the gate, the only way to get in. He is the salvation point. We come to Jesus to enter the sheepfold, to be protected and cared for. And Jesus gives life and life to the full. And so we find out something Jesus is. He's the gate. This is one of those invitation points. What can you learn about God? Because Jesus is the gate. We find out that He is the opening for us. We know the story of salvation. He is the point where we come to know God. And second, as we move on to uh, verse 11, uh, Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd who owns the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he is the hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me, just as the Father knows me and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for my sheep. I have other sheep and they are not of this pen. I must also bring them. They too will listen to my voice, and they and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. The reason my Father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up. This command I received from my Father. And so we find that Jesus is the gate and He's the good shepherd. He's the one who cares for us. He takes us 
to the, to the pastors. He moves us on when it's time to move on. And sometimes we're kind of grumpy sheep and we don't want to go. But Jesus takes care of us. He's that good shepherd. He's giving a foreshadowing of laying down his life for us. So Jesus is not the thief and the robber. Jesus is the gate. Jesus is the good shepherd. And so I need to ask, what can we learn from this? Remember, there's three questions that we want to ask. What can we know about God from this invitation to get to know Him? We learn some of the characteristic of God. That Jesus loves us with His very life. That Jesus has His concern for us. He tells us that He's different than just a hired hand. He's the one who owns the sheep, who cares for the sheep, and loves the sheep very deeply. By the way, if you haven't figured out, Jesus is the shepherd, we're the sheep. We can take the place of the sheep. And there's lots of examples of Jesus being that shepherd. He tells many stories in the Bible about, um, about shepherds. Jesus goes looking for us. He brings us back as that lost one. And with this kind of knowledge as to who our God is, can we love Him? Can we love the God that sent His Son, Jesus, to be the way to know God and to be the one who cares for us? That should well up within us as we think about that for a while to just give us a love for God that surpasses understanding, a love that comes from spending time with Him. The sheep spent time with the shepherd because the shepherd spent time with the sheep. Do you know this Jesus? Do you love this Jesus? You see, it needs to be more than just the Sunday school answers. It needs to be more than just the knowledge of who they are. It needs to be more than just a head issue. It needs to move to our heart where we love God because it's that that will be the motivation for us to follow God. We need to know God. We need to love God. We need to follow Him. And when He's this kind of God, we can love Him all the more. And so I need to ask the question, do you know the shepherd? Do you know the shepherd? And I don't mean do you know the facts. Yeah, Jesus was on the earth for 33 years. God's the creator of all uh, there is. God walked and talked with, with uh, Adam and Eve. And you can pull out all the, all the, you know, you'd win the trivia questions. You'd win the trivia test. But do you know God because you spent time with God? Do you know God because you love God? Has your knowledge and information about God moved from the head to the heart? And does that heart action cause you to want to follow and obey this God? I invite you to do that. I invite you to take that step to come through the gate where you meet Jesus for the first time. But I also invite you to walk with Him 
throughout your entire life. Starting today, starting whatever day that you uh, met Jesus. I'm going to wrap up. By the way, I like that picture of the sheep. Do you see them all running? (laughs) The shepherd must have been at the gate, and now they're all coming after the shepherd. Oh, that we would have that that drive, that we would just, just run after the shepherd when he comes. In thinking about sheep and shepherds, it's almost impossible to not think about the 23rd Psalm. And I want to tell you a little bit about this, and then I want to close with this psalm. Because the 23rd Psalm was written by David. We know quite a bit about David. David was a shepherd when he was a young boy. He went on to face the giants. He went on to be the king of Israel. But I think his years as a shepherd helped him to understand who God is. I would think that shepherding is a lonely job. You're out there on the hills, and who's there to talk to but sheep? I think David must have taken his harp or some musical instruments with him, and he sung songs to his God. And he spent time meditating and thinking about who God is. And during those times when it could have been a boring time, it could have been just meaningless time, I think David developed a love for God. And as a young boy, young uh, teenager or younger, I think he wrote this psalm. You see, the psalms are the hymn book that God had, the book of songs that, that God had for the Israelite people. We don't have the notes in here. We can't have our worship team find the right key and, and sing this, though it's been put to some music. But I want you to think about what it means to know, love, and follow God. As I read this psalm, this 23rd psalm, I'd encourage you to look at it again this week. See how it draws you to God and who He is. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in paths of righteousness for His name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for You are with me. Your rod and Your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Let's pray and the worship team will come forward. Lord, we thank you for very simple illustrations that become invitations to know you. Almost everyone who heard Jesus talk about sheep and shepherds would have known about that time. And Jesus was relaying some very important information about him and his father, about God himself.
that God wants to give us abundant life, a full life, as we enter and come through the gate and get to know the shepherd. Lord, I pray that AIC will know you and take the next step and love you and take the next step and follow you. And so I pray that we might be a people marked by a love for the shepherd where we hear your voice, we know your voice, and we're quick to follow. And I thank you now in Jesus' name.